I'm a writer. I love writers and I coach writers. So it makes sense that I'd interview writers from all areas, blogging, TV, film, songwriting, podcasting, but also the new writers, the first timers that did it, that took the plunge because at one point they heard from someone, you should write a book about that. Burnout is a buzzword. It's everywhere. Women are talking about it. But Rebecca Whitman is an abundance coach and she doesn't want women to be burned out. She wants them to be balanced and beautiful and abundant. Yes, please. And she sees life in this beautiful way. She has a beautiful marriage. She has an incredible business. And she's also written a book, How to Make Six Figures Working Part-Time, which I think we all want to know about. And she has an idea that someday she might want to write a memoir. It's so good to have you on the show. So great to be here. Thanks for having me, Kim. So let's talk about how we met, which I think is just really interesting. We met in a series of two wedding-ish events, right? So we went to one wedding and we met and you were there with your beautiful husband. And then two weeks later, we went to a, a vows renewal and met again, which I thought was so interesting. I'm like, I have to have you on the show. And one thing I have to say is I'm an observer. So I watch people. It's just part of my nature. And I was really moved by the way you and your husband were together at these two events. You seemed very like comfortable with each other. I would see you off in the corner kind of talking together and you just had this flow about you. Tell me about this marriage versus 10 years ago where you were at and how you've kind of come through that. Well, thank you for observing that. And it was so great to see you at these two events, two big events in a row. And I believe that people come into your life for a reason. And we kept running into each other because we're definitely meant to collaborate. So it's great to be on your show. Ten years ago, when I met my first husband, I was kind of like, as I say, in the last inning or the bottom of the ninth or the last five minutes of the fourth quarter, to use sports analogies, in my fertility. And I was like, if I don't marry this guy, I'm not going to be able to have kids. So what I did was I forced a square peg into a round hole and I tried to make someone who didn't really want to be married, who that really wasn't the vision of his life to have a family. And I tried to push my will onto his. So it was just a struggle. Never works. It was a struggle because his heart was not in it. And it made me feel really bad about myself because he didn't cherish me. He didn't value our relationship or our time together. Mm. And I could feel that because I wanted it more than him. And it just was a very toxic situation. And I ended up filing for divorce three years after the marriage started. And thank God we didn't have kids and I wasn't able to, you know, get what I thought I wanted from him. Right. I was just devastated because I knew that I had missed that final window of fertility and then I just kind of surrendered and I just said, you know what? And I, I choose to call my higher power God, but whatever universe, life, nature, if I'm meant to be single for the rest of my life, then I just want to be around like happy, loving, high vibrating people, friends, pets. I just didn't care. I was so defeated. And 
when I really surrendered and I used to hate when people say, Oh, if you really want to find love, like act like you don't want it. I'm like, Oh, come on. How can you act like you don't want love? Like I'm <laughs> right. like a hopeless romantic. It's a fundamental part of who we are. It's like, yeah. sex. it's like, you know, you kind of want to need it. Right. Right. So I had just been completely just defeated. And I was like, you know what? I just want to be a happy person. And, uh, that's what happened. I surrendered and I was actually doing a 90 day dating detox. And six weeks into the dating detox, I love that you're a book coach because miraculous things happen when you write books. I had written a book and I went to this party thrown by the owner of our gym, our small boutique gym called Circuit Works in Santa Monica. It's like a backyard party. And I invited every single person at the party to go to my book launch the following weekend. And Ben shows up with a book and he's like, I'd like you to (laughs) sign it, not here at the book launch party, but at dinner. And I was like, okay. And then I walk in, as he said, kind of jaded and cynical, like, oh God, here we go again. He said was my subtext, but he kind of like (laughs) chipped away at my walls. And by the time the date was over, we were like closing down the restaurant because we couldn't stop talking. That's fantastic. Now, had you been at the gym together? We have, that is something that we love to do together. Now we work out three days a week. He doesn't work out at five 30 and I don't work out at nine 30 anymore. We compromise and we work out at 8. AM. And <laughs> that's great. It's one of the activities that really bonds us. I think when you're looking for a relationship, it's really important to find common interest and in activities and working out and having a healthy lifestyle is really important to both of us. It is. I agree with that. You have to have something that, you know, brings you together at least, at least one thing, you know, they say opposites attract, but I think you do have to have like a commonality of something you like to do, you know, whether it's travel or even buying property or reading certain types of books. I want to talk a little bit about the steps that you take women through. You have a program, right? And how do you know when a woman comes in, can you kind of tell where her, you know, where she's got her blocks or where she might be resistant? How soon can you tell that? Or is it really just some certain steps you think work for everybody in general? Sometimes clients are so resistant that they can't complete the steps because the first step in uh, manifesting true love is to process and release their past. And Most women are willing to do that if they really want to manifest true love. But for some women, actually, just I had one client where it was too painful for her to look at her past because she has too much trauma. And I really believe that unless you can process and release your past, you're not going to manifest your soulmate. And, you know, I wish her the best of luck. I really hope she manifests her soulmate. But I think that is a critical step. It's like, until we let go of what we have, it's like our fists are closed. I know this is audio only, but if your fists are closed in front of you and you you're holding on to something, then you can't be open and open your hands and receive really what you want and what the universe wants to give you. So that is a very crucial step is to process and release your past. You're still in fight mode. You know, you're still fighting everything that happened to you versus being open to whatever, whatever is coming. Let's talk about the past for a minute. You have a past. We talked a little bit about tennis, right? I'm a woman with a past. You're a woman with a past (laughs) and there's tennis in your past. And I love that we've already thrown, you've already thrown out a sports analogy. So it's like, it's an easy pivot. (laughs) Tell me though, 
I appreciated the short conversation we had before we got to recording this podcast, where you talked about the difference in who you were as a woman when you first played tennis. And now when you picked it back up 25 years later and kind of how is that metaphorically parallel to your life? It's a great question. My God, I've been on a hundred podcasts. No one's ever asked me such a potent question. I used to play tennis for approval and I used to feel like unless I won at tennis, I was not lovable. So I wow. had to perform to be loved. So there was so much pressure on each tennis game. I remember that as a child, if I lost the game, I would lock myself in my room and cry for like three hours because I was literally telling myself I'm unlovable because I lost. Oh. Yeah, it was, it was really intense. And now that I took a 25 year hiatus and I'm playing <laughs> again, now I'm playing for the joy of playing because it's a game and games are supposed to be fun and right. it's social and I'm outside and I'm enjoying nature and I'm with people. I'm having a good time and it's just a totally different. So now if you want to make that analogy for life, and this speaks into my mission of helping women to go from burned out to balanced, beautiful, and abundant. I'm living my life, not just because I want to make a bunch of money and win and say that I've accumulated all this stuff, but I am living my life because I want to enjoy it and be present and have experiences and memories and, and live life for the joy of being alive. It's not all about collecting stuff. There's no U-Hauls following hearse, right? Oh, I love that. <laughs> Thank you. I got, I actually got that from one of my spiritual teachers, Reverend Michael Beckwith, but it's not about an accumulation of stuff anymore, which is uh, an analogy to points on the board. It's like, how present can I be? How loving can I be? How compassionate can I be? And that's what it's all about. How much of service can I be? How much of an impact? I don't have kids, as I said, in the beginning of the show. So my legacy is literally going to be how many people did I empower and help? And those people are going to go on and empower and help other people who empower other people. So my legacy is going to be of how much love and service I was while I was here. Right. So you're in a position to do like a thousand X, like really get your message out there. I love the whole tennis analogy because I grew up playing tennis with my dad and my dad was really competitive. I mean, he'd throw the tennis racket at you if you won and so I put it down for a long time, too, because I have a lot of trauma related to my dad. And then when I recently played with a guy I was dating, he was like, you're really competitive. And I really didn't think of myself as competitive. I, I, I don't play any competitive sports. And then I stepped back and I was like, yeah, I am really I like want to win. Like I want to win. Like, I don't really have that in any other area of my life. I'm like you. I like to go with the flow. I like to make money. I like to spend time. With but when I get on the tennis court, like. I want to win and I'm not great at tennis, which is so funny because it's like, it's like I, I have to really work hard to even win. So I love that. So talk about like feminine energy for a minute and being in the flow in general for women. Let's talk about financially. Where do you see them be blocked the most with their flow with finances? So spiritually, whatever you push, you're actually pushing away. So if you're just chasing money all the time, you're actually, think of it as like chasing a butterfly, you're chasing it away. But <laughs> if you great. are patient and you know what you want and you sit there, the butterfly might fly up to you, you know, fly on a flower near you. We can actually enjoy the beauty of the butterfly. It might even perch on your shoulder. So, but if you chase it, you have no shot. So I think of the same as money, just 
have intention, know that you want to be successful and abundant, but if all you do is chase money and you don't take the time to enjoy the other six pillars of abundance that are so beautiful and potent. What are those? Tell us what those are. They're in order of importance. In my opinion, spirituality, fitness, emotions, romance, mindset, social, and then finances are last. It's last. last. Listen to that ladies. Rebecca has that as last with fitness second, which it's so true. We need to get those endorphins out. Like if I go do a dance class for 30 minutes, I'm so re-inspired versus eating brownies and checking my email, right? Exactly. So everybody thinks finances first. So women spend all their time chasing money because they're like, I'm going to make a bunch of money. Then I'm going to hire a personal trainer and get really fit. Then I'm going to look hot and attract the love of my life. Then we're going to like socialize with other hot couples and we're going to go on (laughs) spiritual retreats and then we'll do like our mindset work together. And they have it out of order just for me, how I've been able to live in the flow as your last question was, is just to have a priority of how my days go. And they start with a morning practice. Spirituality is the number one thing. And that is how I start my day. And when I have a morning practice, which includes journaling and praying and meditating, then the rest of my day just flows so much easier because I Mm. realize that I have someone who is, you know, walking through the path of life with me, my higher power. And it just makes everything so much easier than trying to go at it alone. Oh, absolutely. No, I, I agree with that. Let's talk about your book, which is actually about money. So you wrote a book about a side hustle. So if finances are sort of the back of the pillars, what inspired you to write that book first? So the book actually isn't about a side hustle. So I was having a conversation with my dad, one of our last conversations, and he said, Rebecca, I want you to write something. I don't care if it's a book, an essay, a magazine article, or a blog, but you have a really unique perspective on how you live life. Thank you. I wanted to honor his dying wishes and I had no idea what I was going to write about. And I was sitting in my financial planner's office and in the (laughs) same week, my marriage dissolved and my dad was buried and I came in like- Oh, wow. That's symbolic. It was a very symbolic time. And I came into his office and I was, you know, positive and happy like I normally am. And he's like, I'm looking at your financial portfolio and you're doing really well financially. You're actually having your best fiscal year ever. Yet I know that you lost your dad in your marriage. So how are you so resilient? How are you fit and happy and living life the way you are? He goes, I think you should write a book and empower other women how you're living your lifestyle. So I called the book title, How to Make a Six-Figure Income Working Part-Time. It's not a get-rich-quick or a financial book. It's more of what I've been discussing about living life holistically and having these seven pillars of abundance in alignment so that you can manifest, whether it's money, having great health, having your soulmate, whatever it is that you want to manifest, a circle of uplifting, positive friends. Whatever it is that you want to manifest, if your life is balanced, you can manifest it with ease and grace. So what what does one do if their title is not reflecting the book that it actually is, right? So like now that I know that, you know, it's important that people know that your book is about something else. And I just want to stress how important titles are because 
they could really lead people down the wrong path of what a book is, what it clearly have so much to offer that goes beyond just talking about, you know, like a side hustle, you know? So everybody should pick up Rebecca's book and now know that it's about a very deep essence of how to live your life in a beautiful, balanced way. So tell me a little bit about a memoir. You kind of mentioned that to me in passing. What would be the impetus? So is this like a, is this a continuation of your dad's wish or are you now sort of like, I kind of feel like I'm a writer. Yeah. So I've actually written three books now. So I wrote how to make a six figure income working part-time. Um, I was a contributor to two collaborations, phenomenal feminine entrepreneurs, business life universe, volume three, which is an international bestseller. So I was like, you know, maybe I should write a memoir. I was taking a coaching program. I'm a huge believer in investing in coaching and personal development. A hundred percent. Yeah, exactly. Her assignment was to write like a three by five note card on like some of the peak happy moments of your life and in some of the dark despairing moments of your life. And I looked at all these note cards and I'm like, oh my God, I already have the outline for a memoir. Like each of these note cards could be a chapter in a book. So I was like, I should just, you know, make the time to write this memoir. Cause the, I think the hardest part in writing is to kind of like map out or structure out what you're going to write. Absolutely. Once you have the structure, then it's just flows. At least in my process, it's like playing the piano or cooking a good meal. It just like kind of just pours out of you. So I was like, this is so cool. I already have the structure of a memoir. Why not write one? And a lot of people have said I've had a very colorful life. So why not? I hope you do. The one thing I'll say to anybody that's listening in terms of memoir is that, you know, the one thing that I have people do that I work with is to really look at like, why are you somebody that's going to stand out in that memoir, right? Like if you're not famous or you haven't had something cataclysmic happen to you, what is it about your voice? And that's part of that exploration, right? It's even beyond what the scenes are of your life. It's what's the thread, what's the seed, what's the continuing theme that goes through that makes you and your memoir something that, you know, other women, I'm assuming it's going to have a largely female audience, other women are, are going to want to pick up. So I just have one last question because, you know, aside from books, you're always creating, I go on your Instagram and there's like 4 million offerings. I, I'm like, I got to get on the stick. Tell me about like how you create these offerings. You've got like the five-step formula to earn six figures. You've got the seven, seven, seven. Like, did these come as downloads for you? Do you have a team you work with? How do you put all that together? I invest in a lot of coaching programs that teach you how to do like marketing. When COVID hit, I had never done anything online. I was just like a very creative person. I was an actress. I still have an agent. I'm still in SAG-AFTRA. I have an IMDb page. I was just working at a kid's acting school. I love working with kids. Since I don't have any, I just really enjoy empowering them to reach their acting goals. So I had no interest in doing anything online. I could barely do my online bill pay. So when, <laughs> when COVID hit, I was like, oh my God, the acting school's closed. I don't know when it's going to reopen. And I started diving into all these different online courses. Um, one of them was like how to have a 45 minute evergreen webinar, which is the six figure side hustle. 
Then I started hiring VAs. I found out, wow, I can get VAs from the Philippines for like pennies on the dollar. Like they can help me with all this stuff. I don't have to become like a technical genius. So the 777 challenge, I was like, I want to make my coaching accessible to everyone for a very inexpensive rate. So I was like, how can I do that and make it evergreen and fun? So I was like, ooh, I can teach seven pillars of abundance in seven days for only $7. So I love that it. That is like an <laughs> offer you can't refuse. We both live in LA. You can't even get a good smoothie for $7 anymore. <laughs> I mean, they're all like 12 or $20. Bucks. Yeah, so exactly. So I was like, okay, $7. If somebody cannot invest $7 in themselves, they're probably not my ideal client. So that's why I created that challenge. It's really fun. It's a 777 challenge. It's in my link tree, which Kim is going to put in our show notes. And then the 45 minute webinar is super fun. That is the five simple shifts to create a six figure side hustle. Some coaches tell you business coaches are like, quit your job, max out your credit cards. You know, if you don't put everything into starting your own business and you're destined to fail. But I, like you said, in your earlier question, I'm more in the feminine and feminine energy is not about, oh my God, do or die, break it or make it. Like you got to burn the boats to take the island. It's way more relaxed. So I believe in teaching women, keep the job. So you're not in survival mode. And then invest money in learning how to do a six-figure side hustle. And then when the side hustle makes as much money as you feel comfortable or more than your job, then you can like gracefully leave your job and just do your side hustle. So that's why I created the free 45-minute masterclass, the five simple shifts to creating your six-figure side hustle. I love it. I love it. Listen, just in the short time that we've been talking, I can see what your dad's talking about. You've got all this great stuff. You don't have to burn the boats to, to take the island. I've never, and then you can't chase a butterfly. I don't even remember what that was, but I'm sitting here going, oh my God, this is your voice. I mean, this is your writing voice, right? And this is where, what you put on paper is even just in a short period of time, I've identified like what would make you stand out as a memoir writer. And that's really, really cool. Well, it's been really, really great to have you on the show. What would be one piece of advice you'd give a woman who's finally ready to meet her running mate, which would be like me, for example? Oh, like you, I would say focus on how you want to feel when you're with your soulmate not what he looks like, where he works, what kind of car he drives. How do you want to feel? Do you want to feel seen? Do you want to feel sensual? Do you want to feel adventurous? Do you want to feel playful, flirtatious? Do you want to feel secure, safe? Do you want to feel protected? Like write a list of how you want to feel when you are with your soulmate and focus on feeling that way before you meet him. And then that will bring him in. I love that. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me, Kim. And what you teach is so valuable. And who knows, I might just be hiring you for that memoir now that you've already identified my voice. <laughs> it's already done. <laughs> Thank you. You've been listening to You Should Write a Book About That. If you enjoyed our episode, tell a friend to listen, subscribe, and review on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts.